From Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Edison Walsh-Moyer. This is Film Club, a podcast series where our youth film critics and cultural connoisseurs spill the theoretical tea on a new movie. So these are spoiler-filled conversations, folks. If you haven't seen the movie they're talking about, be prepared to learn far more about them than the trailers will tell you. For this episode, we're talking about Nope, the new movie written and directed by Jordan Peele. Known for his horror movies, Get Out and Us, Peele's new movie follows a brother and sister who own a horse ranch where they train their animals to perform in movies. When their ranch is terrorized by a mysterious thing in the sky, the siblings set out to document just what is up there in the clouds. Our At Me film critics got together on Zoom to talk about Nope, the themes it explores, Peele's status as one of the most prominent horror movie directors, and just what is going on with Gordy in the movie. Here is their discussion led by At Me producer Zinn Rogers. Hey, everybody. I'm the host of the Nope Roundtables and Rogers. If we could just start this off by introducing ourselves, just a brief, uh, brief breakdown of our thoughts or feelings more on the movie Nope. Hi, I'm Daisy. I thought the movie was pretty good. Um, coming out of it, I would have said that I did not like it. But now thinking about it and kind of like rewatching some stuff and really thinking about it, like I kind of like it more and talking about it with like my sister who saw it with me. Um, I think I like it like more, but I definitely do have like a couple things I want to say about it. I'm Madison Knudsen and um, I liked it. It was good. Uh, the plot was really solid. The characters are great. Um, Kiki Palmer was great. But I would have the same, I have the same feelings as Daisy when I first got out. I like didn't like it, but now it's like, I like the message. I like thinking about the message. My first reaction about me not liking it was mostly because I'm a scaredy cat. Not everything, but just some scenes just put me off with the movie, but it's it's a good movie. Uh, hi, Kendrick speaking. Um, one thing I would say about nope is that i've had the exact opposite experience as both of you when i was watching it i was in absolute awe of just the spectacle and like sure the sheer scale of the film but then when i've got to think about it i realized how disappointed i was and how that disappointment was kind of just covered up with a lot of great scenes you know um the main thing I'd like, like just to get out of the way is that this is not the movie we were advertised. <laughs> we were all led to believe this would be something completely different. Yeah. I'm Warren Lewis, and I feel the same way as Kendrick. The ads never really told us what was going to happen, but I think that's for the better because I think it's a pretty key marketing tactic. You don't unveil the plot or end especially of your movie in the movie trailers and they did the complete opposite they hit as much as possible to make it just as suspenseful as the movie itself i actually that, that's why i, I kind of disagree is that i think the marketing actually set too high of an expectation and definitely got a lot of butts in the seats 
because people were very excited for the movie that was advertised. But it is easy to see why a lot of people were disappointed, considering that it was promising to explore one of the most uh, well underexplored genres that there is. And then doing a subversion of that whole thing, it's telling people they're going to get one thing. Pretty much, it's. I, I've left the theater feeling kind of lied to, if I'm going to be honest. I agree. I, it to some extent felt that way as well. Well, my name is Logan, uh, and I kind of have a mixture of a lot of your guys' perspectives because I was entertained from start to finish, but I did not know how to feel about it when I left the theater, and I definitely think I need to think more about it. And maybe through this discussion, I'll have a greater enlightenment on what Nope was trying to do. No, yeah, that's one thing I'll give the... Well, when I rank a film, the first, you know, usually most people rank it out of um, one out of ten. The first five points are for quality of filmmaking, like how the film looks, how it sounds, um, how effective the director director's choices were. And I give it a five in that regard. That it like hit every single mark when it came to cinematography, acting, music, all of it was all there. But then just the story, the more I think about it, I'm kind of disappointed, especially with someone who, especially who is considered one of the most prominent horror directors today, Jordan Peele, even though this is only his third movie, very high expectations were set by us and Get Out, and that's undeniable because those were two, if you like them or not, undeniable modern masterpieces that will probably be remembered and talked about for the, de the upcoming decades, you know. So, again, I imagine... Uh, as all of you did, I went in with pretty high expectations, expecting something as large a scale as us, but as mind-blowing as Get Out was, if you know what I mean. I get that. I uh, ended up saying something on the way home after the movie ended. I said something like, you don't have to surpass expectations to defy them. It's a good way of putting it. That, that, that's a very good way of putting it because it did give us expectations and whether or not those were fulfilled doesn't matter because it gave us something that was meant to subvert those expectations something I'm sure no one probably guessed from the marketing right and I was consistently entertained from start to finish so there isn't really a whole lot for me to immediately complain about even in places like this like i just like talking about the movie and i'm glad i was entertained even if it didn't fully reach its potential all right and if it's not a problem we'll probably be going into spoiler territory now because i want to ask you all the question i was immediately thinking right when i got out of the theater and i'm sure all of you will have your own answers and i'm excited to hear it but what was the deal with gordy Okay, so my interpretation of, like, the Gordy stuff was kind of, like, the correlation of that, shoot, I can't remember what this dude's name is. Uh, Stephen Young's character? Yeah, Stephen Young's character. So he was, like, had this traumatic experience about, you know, seeing this animal that he had, like, worked with and that he kind of, like, grew up with get shot right in front of him but the reason why like he got shot right in front of him was because Gordy like was looking to him to like 
give like the fist bump because that was like his thing. So in that way, Stephen Young's character was able to control Gordy in order to kill it. So in his mind, he was like, oh, like I can, I have a special connection to like to the spectacle. Like I can control the spectacle. So fast forwarding to this whole park thing. And he thinks that he's able to control the spectacle because the spectacle is the the UFO, the like alien thing. Um, so he thinks he's able to control it, but he learns quickly that he can't. So that's what I kind of got from that correlation. I was also a little confused at first, kind of like, why did they show this? But then like once I thought about it, I was like, oh, yeah. You know, you know actually, that's a very respectable interpretation, except I, I don't think he was in control of Gordy. I think he kind of was like that fear of not being in control, but just the fact that he had that connection, that pre-established connection to Gordy. And I don't think he knew it was going to be shot right in front of him. Oh, no. But, and also, uh, you made me think of something there. Uh, with the whole concept and theme of trauma, I think uh, his character was, in a sense, trying to cope with, what would you call it, the chaotic outburst of the spectacle he used to work with and now trying to control the new one. And I guess that in a sense can be seen as his character trying to cope with his um, childhood trauma as you would see like in the movie, it would show the scenes from his childhood and then immediately cut back to his modern reaction where he's usually just like smiling or dozing off and looking off into the distance or something. Exactly. I don't know. I felt like that's where a lot of the movie steps came from. But the reason why it was so unsatisfying to me is because that plot kind of like dropped out halfway through the movie. And then we get um, the balloon of his character at the end, which is ultimately the climactic defeater of the antagonist. And I'm sure there's some symbolism to be interpreted there, but I just think like, why did they show us? I thought they were going to connect at the end like have a more of a connection like maybe the ufo was controlling gordy and make the shoe stand up for whatever reason that's another thing why was the shoe standing up yeah why was the shoe standing up also also it like um there was just the scene i think it was the transition between like one chapter to the other chapter where stephen young's character was telling his wife like Oh, like, have I ever told you? And then it was like a black screen. Like, what was he gonna tell her? <laughs> like, that's also. Oh, that, that, yeah, that drove me crazy. I was literally like, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, I, I personally just presumed she, he was gonna tell her the spectacle he was planning that would inevitably fail. Because he did but... mention that he seemed to have some history with it before. It felt like it was a rehearsal because then it later on. It was him doing the routine, and he started that with "Haven't I ever told you?" And I felt disappointed at that part because I thought it was going to be something like really big. I was that kind of hoping for a dramatic moment where he like breaks down crying because you don't get to see the adult version of him process that emotion. But one thing that you also made me think of right there was um, the incident with Gordy. Right, happened before. Yeah, spoiler alert. We already mentioned it. It's not next. This, I guess we couldn't call it a UFO because it's not an object, but like unidentified flying thing. And then when it uh, sucks up all the people and then like violently disposes of them, I think that was supposed to be kind of a, a reflection of the scene with Gordy. 
Um, yeah. It's basically like the same thing, but just like played out in a different context, you know? They're like urging Gordy to like come out like they were all staring at, like aggressively staring at the saucer in the sky, which like the monkey doesn't like it when you stare in its eyes. Also like the horse. Yeah, there's a lot of different interpretations you can make out of that. And that's what I think makes the movie, uh, if not, you know, super great, at least fascinating. And less than being a scary movie, this movie was very suspenseful. I was joking around with the person I saw it with. It was pretty much face jaws. Yeah, and one of like my big things that I thought was really interesting, and that at first like I really didn't like, but I was like, eh, it's fine. Like it's it kind of like plays with the movie about being a spectacle. Was all of the things like the quote unquote scary things they showed in the trailer ended up being kind of like. It didn't fall flat, but like it wasn't like the main story or like the main message. Like the like the little kid with like the alien heads, like that, like that was that was the scariest part of the movie. And yet, like, yeah, it was just kids playing a prank on like these farmers. And then the lady with like her face like that was all messed up, like it, that was because like, oh, of this Gordy incident. So I thought that was really interesting. Like I said, that's what I meant by I really felt lied to. Mm-hmm. It, it showed you everything that was in the trailer, and I give it re- I give it respect for that level of honesty because a lot of films will just show shots that aren't even in the movie. It, again, like the scene with the kids, that is where I thought it was going to turn into a horror film and get really scary because I was like, oh, these kids aren't the scary part or like these aliens? Well, not even aliens. So that moment increased my, I don't know what you'd call it, expectations for the film so unreasonably high because I was like, if the scariest part about the trailer is just a a gag, a throwaway, and not the actual story, what they're going to show us must be absolutely terrifying. And it kind of was, but I also really wanted Aliens. It was kind of beautiful. Like, like that one being in the sky was like really like majestic. I was like, oh. Yeah, like it's, it really puts into perspective what would an alien look like or what would it be? I think we would be selfish as humans to think that, or just self-centered to think that all life in the universe would be extremely similar to us, like in stature or size or whatever. We never even considered the possibility that well, the UFO could be the alien. Yeah, and that certainly was an interesting inversion, especially uh, when you consider that, yeah, more than likely uh, in the real world, if there was life outside of, you know, Earth, chances are it would also not be particularly humanoid, at least in the way we imagine it. No, I, I think that's exactly where Jordan Peele is going with it. And so I think you're right about that. And I do agree with Daisy the thing in the sky was it just being the way it was completely like abstract from what humans think a living being should be more than being terrifying I thought yeah it was beautiful it was like in how Jaws kind of portrayed the shark as being its own creature and its own little sect of the universe and we just so happened to run into it and it just so happens to be higher than us on the food chain 
Yeah, that part was extra terrifying, especially during that whole juicing thing that I think, you know, when they're like disposing of the humans violently over the house. Oh, yeah, that act, that that gave me a physical reaction. It absolutely did to me, too. Call me sinister, but that was actually one of my favorite parts of the movie. <laughs> like, I, no, loved, I thought like, that was I wicked. Why? Like, I just loved the visual of just like, like, I don't know, just like the horror of like, oh my gosh, we just saw these people get juiced and now their juice is like getting on this house. Like, oh my God. Metal. Yeah. Well, the scene where they're getting like sucked up was terrifying. That was also terrifying. Oh, yeah. Okay. The kids, the the kids dressed up as aliens, that actually really scared me. (laughs) And that was like kind of where it fell off, but. That scene kind of brought it back because just all the people screaming and just getting like helplessly sucked up into this thing. That was something else. Also, I <laughs> I don't want to call myself out here, but I kind of like not necessarily laughed about it, but I thought it was really funny. Like when I like when you like saw them like getting like eaten. I don't know. I thought I thought that scene was really funny because you just like see like these people like getting squished and I don't know. yeah i get what you're saying daisy yeah like i don't know why it was just funny no i i know what you mean but i I also think it's an interesting perspective of like what it would be like to go through a giant being's like digestive system which is pretty also it's scary to think about but looking at it i was kind of like what am i looking at you know i didn't know and i think that made it more weird because there's no, no words you can really put into what you are seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it looked like a bouncy house at first. Like they you squish between a bouncy house, which which is also like to bring up the claustrophobia of it too. I hated that. The it was just like along with the terror of being eaten by something, you're also being squished, which is obviously how people digest. But it's like two terrible things yeah and i think as humans we don't really think about it when we like well we eat food all the time and like we we will usually kill it first but it's like the whole idea of like eating another creature that's like alive and the fact that we only are able to really empathize with the emotions of humans we can recognize and sometimes feel for the emotions of like animals but we don't feel it as in the same way of people of our own species so Jordan Peele forcing us to watch that I'm sure was a bit of a forced perspective for a lot of people on that whole idea right and whether or not it was intentional it certainly did make you think at least in small doses about that topic and I think that's why where Jordan Peele is really starting to uh, succeed as a director because again coming from the I don't want to say ham-fisted but some of his work so far is pretty ham-fisted when it comes to how he chooses to approach like topics or themes. It's like very overt and like with sometimes no subtlety. I mean, I do think that when it comes to movies that are like big in scale, like nope, subtlety can sometimes be a little overrated. Like it's not the be all end all of big spectacle, but you don't need to be subtle. Sometimes big, it works. So like do spectacle on broad strokes, you know? I think so. Speaking of live digestion, I actually do have a theory where I, I think the Gordy scenes were necessary. 
I'd like to hear that. Okay. Well, I'd like to preface it with a quick question. Uh, are we unanimous in that everyone here thinks the Gordy scenes were unnecessary? I no, no, I think good. they were required. Yeah. Okay. I thought I thought they were some of the scariest. Definitely. Yeah. So what I think happened is we unintentionally get what I call an origin story. I think now we normally reserve that for films that are much more cheesy and action packed and thrillers, but I think that's also the case with the Gordy scenes. I think the Gordy scenes showed us the origin of what makes Stephen Young's character what 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 it was. I think what happened is it, it's shown there as a preface to the rest of the of his scenes as a way of saying that maybe as a result of him being the last one alive from Gordy's outburst, perhaps that gave in him some bad feelings, some bad emotions. Perhaps it made him have a sense of destiny. Perhaps it made him overconfident and, dare I say, egotistical. So we see that blasted in the scene where him and everybody else get sucked up, and I think that's necessary because with the Gordy scenes, we see what leads into it. If we don't get them and we just see him and the audience get sucked up. We think it was kind of random without the Gordy scenes there to explain it. So I think the Gordy scenes were necessary because we see through them that Stephen Young's character has built up a pedestal around him. Pedestal of hubris. And we get to see it break down. I, I think you're right about that. And I wouldn't say it necessarily explains that scene. But more or less, it gives it a new meaning by the fact that we see what happens when, well, humans try to control a force that may be stronger than them, like, say, a chimpanzee. It's like just because he got saved, he thinks he can charge people to tell them lies about the time he saw something with a horse. And then we see all of that break down the moment it actually happens and the moment his fantasy becomes reality. And just how, in the Gordy scenes, he is helpless to do anything about it. So he falsely relies on luck, because luck got him out the first time, but it didn't get him out this time. Yeah, and I think uh, that hubris also goes into the, um, his whole, the whole like, subplot of him trying to buy the Hayward Ranch. Behind the fake aliens that, were, that, that confronted the, the characters over stealing a horse... That is Max Hubris to me. Yeah. Well, and, and just to show that he's kind of a slimy businessman, the fact that he's trying to go, like, scare people out of their own property. And I think it also has to, well, and in a very subtle way, and it didn't really hit me till after the movie was over, but this movie has a lot to do with, like, not a lot, but stuff to do with, like, the, the film industry and how, like, uh, race plays in... Uh, into account when it comes to like people working in the film industry or just in general I don't know this, this film covers a lot of topics covering from yeah like how films are made to the treatment of people who work in films to 
well, I guess people who just work in any field at all whatsoever and how they may be treated. And also playing into the idea of like what people are working towards and working for, like the idea of like a big spectacle and the ethics of whether or not that should or should not be done. I don't know. But my problem with the fact that this movie goes all over the place is that it doesn't settle on any topic particularly and kind of just like loosely floats from like subject to subject while the plot like goes on not saying it has to be particularly about one thing and run with it but I kind of left the theater not sure not really sure of what the meaning was or what I was supposed to leave the theater with besides just seeing a spectacle I think I think the idea of the spectacle and I can't remember the the bible verse that like is right in the beginning but it's something I I I saw something where it's about like how I don't know it just had the word spectacle in it about like oh like I will make you a spectacle it says like I will make you a like I will cover you in filth and Uh make a spectacle of you yeah make a spectacle of you um, so I think that was like kind of the message about like what what would someone do or like what you know people do to make a spectacle because or to capture the spectacle or try to control the spectacle but in reality the spectacle like shouldn't be controlled like it should like I don't know well well yeah as if like like the chimpanzee for example and exactly. to an extent the antagonist was a force of nature something that exists within its own I guess just like ecosystem, its own little universe, and then it shouldn't, and stuff like that shouldn't be disturbed. Exactly. And then, like I, we usually pay the price for interfering with those type of things. Like, um, what was his name? I think Holt, the cinematographer, the yeah. one with the IMAX cameras. His whole downfall is, is like he, despite already getting what he needed to get, he decided to get himself sucked up just to get the perfect shot exactly and i think that's what the message is is like how far will you go like will you lose your life just to get one thing like just to get like one perfect shot even though even though that dude knew that he was gonna die like he wanted to get that perfect shot and it is the same thing it's the same thing with um like our main characters like oj and kiki palmer's character like they the first thing they do when they see that there's a UFO, they're like, oh my gosh, we can get this on video and sell it. And that's, you know, making a spectacle of this um, thing that's happening, not trying to figure out what it is, not trying to do anything, but try to, you know, expand upon it or like try to exploit, you know, this spectacle. And I think that's the message that, that Jordan Peele was kind of trying to get to being like, you, like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to exploit a spectacle to get money or to get Thing. or to right. even just appreciate the existence of something and going into that one thing is that the, it did particularly did not like to be looked at and they knew it didn't like to be like looked at and what so what they decided to do is get video evidence or at least picture evidence so everyone can look at it. one thing that's interesting listening to all your guys' thoughts is i just had a random epiphany just now that Nope is literally about characters capturing a spectacle, which in this case seems to be what Jordan Beale, Jordan Peele was trying to do. Like it's a spectacle about capturing a spectacle. And then you think about it the other way around in, in the way that you could also say the creature is the audience and everybody else is its spectacle. 
that it literally captures, not just metaphorically captures, but literally yeah. sucks them up and gets its just desserts and then leaves until the next show, the next appearance. It's almost a complete mirror. And that's where the film kind of started to get tricky for me and how I identified its substance or what I tried to think it was about. Because just with all the things floating around the movie, it's obvious that there's something there. But when most people left the theater, they just thought it was a great show. Like, they just thought, like, oh, this was a great horror movie. They didn't really, like, in the same way you leave Get Out, or even Us, I didn't feel that new perspective. I feel like I just watched a spectacle, you know? And the more I think about it, it's like self-aware of the fact that it just kind of caught my attention just to entertain me for two hours. But then that makes me think of like the point of the movie and why it was made and the fact that it's aware that it's doing that to me. I'm just kind of confused on like, what was I supposed to get out of it besides a good time? I think Jordan Peele was just trying to make an ambitious movie, but I could be totally wrong. I know nothing about his intentions. No, I, I agree with you there. This felt like a, a Spielberg movie, didn't it? Yeah. I think he was I think I think that's what he was kind of doing was trying to make like a Spielberg movie and like get like his own like like messaging across about like and I think like his main messaging is like to not like yeah, just like not control a spectacle and if I may divert the conversation. Um, did you all see that one thing about Logan Paul, how he was like, this is the worst movie ever. And it's like, well, no duh. Like you're a person who like makes spectacle of like other people. And like you recorded like a dead body for a spectacle and like, yeah. And he tries to reduce things into a spectacle when they're obviously so much more than that by going, I believe it was he went to a sacred place of prayer in yeah. Japan and yeah. just threw a bunch of coins in while other people were clearly not doing that. They were respectful and he just came up and threw a bunch of coins in. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. That is that is poetry. It rhymes. Exactly. It's funny because how stupid it is. How stupid he is for doing that. Yeah, also that reminded me of, I think Adam Ellis is his name, the cartoonist, came out and said that Jordan Peele is the best horror film of, like, horror film director of all time, just because he came out with three good movies. Um, that was causing a bit of controversy on the internet for... And Jordan Peele's response to that was great, too. He was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> he was, he told, straight up told him, like, please put down your phone. Yeah, it's like you're insulting John Carpenter and David Cronenberg, and so on. The masters of the past. Yeah, exactly. I think he's a like he's getting into his own as a horror and suspense director, and his stuff has been very suspenseful so far. But a lot of his movies have still leaned pretty heavily onto comedy, and I'm not sure we're go ever going to see like a straight through, totally like dead face serious movie from Jordan Peele. I'm not saying we have to, but I think when it comes to making horror movies that 
atmosphere of pure dread is absolutely required for something like The Thing, which has maybe one or two moments of light comedic relief. But when, I, when too much humor gets involved, it tends to nullify the tension. Diluted a little bit? Yeah, I've, I've noticed that just with my personal experience. I think the humor is great and it adds a lot to the screenplay in like terms of entertainment value, but it did kill my like suspense for a little bit. Here, here's the thing. Jo- Jordan Peele is definitely a great director, but if you really think about it, who who is he better than? I, I can't really answer that because... He's totally his own director and hasn't made anything that can really be comparable to anything else. You can only really say obvious answers that aren't based on their particular talents and just how they are in their general public image. Like if you use that logic, I could say, yeah, Jordan's better than John Lasseter or something, but that's, that's, that's too easy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not hard to say that he has maybe a bit more thoughtfulness in his directing than, say, J.J. Abrams, yeah. but... That doesn't necessarily mean he's on, like, whenever there's been a real renaissance man of the film industry, or, or woman, I, I just say that, renaissance man is the term, but their movies have to be, like, about the human experience, and they have, like, films that explore what it means to be human, every side of it, um, and they, those are usually the directors with, like, 10, 20, sometimes over 100 films over their belt, um, so... To say, I, I think it's way too early to make any assumptions about Jordan Peele being the best movie, well, horror movie director, but maybe give him 10 years. Right. And I think that different directors are great in different ways. Like, it doesn't have to be a better or worse than. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. It's so hard to compare that. That's like saying someone's a better painter than another. It's just there's way too many factors. It yeah. So it just to, when someone's making a film, they have things that they prioritize more than the others. Zack Snyder may create a beautiful looking film, but his scripts kind of fall flat sometimes. But as a visual director, he's one of the best. It's just what you grade a director for and like what's important to them personally when creating what they think is a good movie. And then it becomes a question about just life in general when you analyze these things and evaluate them and find them to be very complicated analyses. You ask yourself when you pursue things like freedom and security, do you do you will yourself to branch out into other specific things, tackling as many as possible, or would you rather choose to regress into ultimate simplicity? I do think that different directors, like like we've been saying for a while, definitely have different views of the world that would probably have wildly varied answers to those types of questions. I think that's kind of an arbitrary question. And I think the fact that anyone would come out and say that anyone's the best director at all is kind of a goofy. I think that a more valuable conversation would be discussing who is your favorite because it would introduce more directors, you'd be able to discuss it, and then you'd be able to discuss how they're different and what they brought. So I, I, I find much more like interest in watching videos where people genuinely talk about something they like, because I can find value in that, even if I don't agree. And it's not that they're saying like, this is the best director and you should think so as well. It's just, this is my favorite thing. And 
I, I don't like that. Oh, yes. That's a very open-minded way to think about it, especially like just, just thinking about film as an art form may be considered, besides video games, the most complicated art form. So you can't judge a film based, you can't judge a director based off their film because it's like, who edited the film? Who colored it? Who did the sound design? Who did the music? And did that all add up to a great film experience? So I, I think it's important we have to remember that films aren't like, say, music can be or paintings can be all just one man working in the room to create a vision. Like, you can't give Jordan Peele the credit for Daniel Kaluuya's great acting as OJ in Nope, because Daniel Kaluuya probably brought a lot of originality to the table and a lot of like um, stuff that was important to the evolution of the character and how we perceived him as a character. Also, yeah, just props to Daniel Kaluuya as an actor in general. He did literally amazing in everything he's been in so far, and Nope was no exception. Well, should we make Madison's suggestion one of our last questions? Yeah, sure. Let's close with that. Uh, if it's Jordan Peele, great. But um, uh, both what subjectively, what is your favorite part of Nope? And yeah, what's your favorite director? My favorite part of Nope was watching Kiki Palmer's um, like it's right at the end, but like watching her like drive away and like do the whole like thing with the balloon. I thought that was really cool. And just like really like funny as well because it's like she's like I don't know I thought it was really smart of her too to like take a picture with that like thing so like she still like got a picture of it which I thought was pretty cool um so that was like my favorite part my favorite director I'm like still trying to figure that out like I really like Spielberg's work but I feel like that's a really basic answer but it's mine so Spielberg <laughs> Again, yeah, total respect to Spielberg. I don't think this movie would have existed without him. Um, I would say my favorite part of this movie was the fact that it felt like a Spielberg movie uh, more than some of his recent films have because just of the absolute scale of the spectacle, the exhilarating like orchestral music, and just the, the way Jordan Peele brought some sequences together was an absolute masterclass and just like, maybe not storytelling per se, but then just like film directing, blocking, lighting, all that sort of stuff. Everything just felt so intentional. But again, also my favorite part might've been the Akira reference towards the end with Kiki Palmer on the motorcycle. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, that was pretty epic. Oh, and my favorite film director, Stanley Kubrick. 2001 may be the best film ever made. <laughs> and The Shining's up there. It's, it's really hard to argue with near perfection, but if we're going out of personal enjoyment and not who I think is the best, maybe David Lynch, but I would say Stanley Kubrick was more of the master, um, if we're going to say there ever was one. My favorite part of Nope is probably seeing what I saw in the first trailers where everyone at Jupiter's claim was looking up, because especially now I know why. So seeing that delivery... The cinematic sequence was fantastic, and my favorite director is also David Lynch, but I don't want to copy what Kendrick said, so I will add a director similar to David Lynch that I would like to see, and that is Darren Aronofsky. Absolutely wonderful. 
the master of making stuff uncomfortable. Yep, I live for that. Uh, let's see. Uh, my favorite part uh, i've already mentioned it before like the uh scene where it's like raining blood over the house the whole shoe scene at the same time it's a hard pick because i know i kind of mentioned this earlier that the gordy scenes like with the champ i like how that was split into parts like at the beginning it was just like the bloody champ and we didn't know what it was and then when it's a full more fully formed flashback like towards the middle i liked how they split it up because the beginning scene kind of made it look like a mystery box like you wanted to know more about it and know like is this going to do anything with the story and it did kind of so but uh favorite director um that's a hard question but the first one that comes to mind as far as old-timey directors go is uh uh is probably billy wilder wow wow that's pretty uh that's pretty obscure (laughs) I know. Like he's my favorite old timey director because I really like like his dialogue, his writing. Like if viewers at home haven't uh, are open to black and white movies, Tom Leggett Hot, Double Indemnity, Sunset Boulevard, or even The Apartment are all really great in my opinion. Yeah, the Apartment has my favorite screenplay of any movie ever. Yeah, it's brilliant. But if we're talking favorite modern director, uh, sorry Jordan Peele, it's got to be Guillermo del Toro. Props to you, Logan, for bringing up Billy Wilder. Wilder, excuse me. Um, I just watched The Apartment and it was really great and I really liked it. Um, But yeah, my favorite scene, I think I'm going to be basic and just say the chase scene with Kiki Palmer because Kiki Palmer is amazing and I'm glad she was featured a lot in this movie. Um, I've been watching her since like Nickelodeon, so really excited she got to show off her charm and her like ability to act really well um and then it was just suspenseful it was cool it felt like jaws like a lot of people said it uh the movie was it really took me until like the last part for it to feel like a like a monster movie like jaws or something um and then as for my favorite director it's not like a prestige director um but it's Amy Heckerling who uh, did Clueless. Obviously, she didn't like, you know, do everything in Clueless. But I, Clueless is my favorite movie. It's not like the best movie in the world, but I think that uh, they adapted the story from Emma very well, and she adds comedy to a lot of stuff. And I think that movie's really good. And then I think even though Amy Heckerling is like really good, I like Taika Waititi because his movies. I think display like the human condition in kids really well and like how they act. And I just really like how his movies always have like a human core to them and they, they always bring it back and they're, they're fun. I'm not necessarily a horror movie girl. I, it's great. And they add a lot to society and I have nothing against horror movies, but I really like uh, Taika Waititi's work. So yeah, that's my thoughts. Sweet. Thank you, everybody. This has been the Nope Film Roundtable. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Film Club, a production of Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme was composed by Kendrick Whiteman. The roundtable was edited by Nikki. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. 
We would like to acknowledge the Denina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to supporters of our podcast, including Alaska State Council on the Arts. The views in this program do not necessarily represent the views of our sponsors. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. It's a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like Atme. Just go to patreon.com slash Alaska Teen Media. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. If you are a youth ages 13 to 24 who loves movies and is interested in being part of our film club, go to alaskateenmedia.org slash join. Or you can email us at news at alaskateenmedia.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all sorts of updates. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Edison Walls-Moyer. Thanks for listening.